This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. Last week, we talked with Mrs. Laura Graber from Jamesport, Missouri, and she shared how she grew up with a father who was basically sexually abusing her and did a lot of horrible, traumatic things growing up. There was fear and hypervigilance, and if you missed that show, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to that first one. And before I start talking with Laura again, I want to introduce a question that many believers have when they're suffering. And we can go back to the book of Job for this because God allowed Satan to sift Job like few people in history have been sifted, where Job lost 10 kids in one day. I think it was seven sons and three daughters killed in one day. He lost his business and then he was he was left with the wife saying, curse God and die. And then if you read through the book of Job, a lot of his questions are, God, why? What are you doing? Why would you allow all this? And that is a key question in life. So, Laura, my friend, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Mike. And where we left off last week is you had said that you were bitter towards God for the things you grew up with, with your dad, and you mocked Christians. And how did you resolve the why question? Why, God, did you allow this to happen to me? It took several years um, of, I mean, okay, so I should back up a bit. Like most of my preteens and teenage years, I was I was very angry and bitter at God, Um I remember, you know, hearing my siblings or different people talk about God, and, and in my mind, I made fun of them. I, I viewed Christians as weak, and I always told myself, you know, the moment I can get away from my dad and move out of this house, you know, I, I, would, I would never let anyone hurt me like that again. I would never, you know, live like this again. Um, so it was, at the age of 20, I went with my cousin to church haphazardly, and that day the sermon was on how much God loves us, the love of God that He gave His Son, um, and just, you know, all the aspects of that. And I remember walking out of church that day, and I looked up at this guy, and I was like, I'm going to give you one chance, and you better not screw this up. I, I, it was, yeah, I, <laughs> not your typical conversion story. <laughs> um, but over the next several years, um, I, my relationship with God grew. I mean, I'd be reading my Bible, I'd be praying, I started going to church, my life started changing, um, like physical aspects of it, but there was still a part of me that always in the back of my mind, like I couldn't, 
completely trust God because I didn't have an answer to explain the first 17 years of my life. I didn't know how to to come to grips with that, like how, what was in that. Um, so I thought I was a Christian, you know, I thought I was a believer. Life was relatively well. Um, I got married and then we had our struggles in our marriage and it wasn't until probably, well, the wives retreat in 2018 was pivotal. Um, you shared, you spent some time in prayer and you shared a Bible verse um, with each of us women um, to take home with us. And this verse, I, I know it was the Lord, but it's in Deuteronomy 31, where it's, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And I remember that last night at the retreat, um, just being in my bed and just sobbing, um, because I just had this picture of of God was with me all those moments as a little girl, um, he saw what was happening. And over the next year, like things kept on coming back to my mind, just here or there of like, wow, like God was there in that. Like I remember, you know, someone showed up maybe in the middle of one of my dad's angry rants, like a neighbor to visit, or, um, you know, like I, I got away from my dad here, or, you know, this happened that interrupted this from happening. And I just like slowly, like God kept on bringing to my mind. And even today, sometimes I, I, it's not as much today, but definitely in that next year or two of just like realizing like God was there. He hadn't left me. And as an adult, I can see more and more where he did call my dad to repentance. He did send things in my dad's life. You know, my dad faced a close call with death and different things like that, that should have woke him up. But he kept on choosing to live a life of sin and be a slave to Satan through all of that, um, that God was actually there in those moments. And I had just, I was blaming God for not changing my circumstances instead of realizing that it was my dad's free will choice to be living in that sin and to rebel against God. And he was the one that, yeah, my anger needed to be directed toward him more so than God, um, because God was there. So that was extremely um, healing for me to recognize, you know, of, you know, all the times that maybe horrible things did happen, but then all the times that God intervened at just the right times and also sent help and relief and, and protected me. He protected me profusively in different areas and instances that there's no way to explain except it was the hand of God protecting me. So it sounds like he didn't answer the why, but he said, I was there and I've always been with you. Yes, yes. And that to me was like, you know, I, today now, I I know that there's been a work done in my heart and I have giftings like through the Holy Spirit working in me that I probably wouldn't have if I wouldn't have lived through all those things. But for me, the biggest thing was understanding that God is sovereign and He actually has good for me, you know? Um, after so many years of just thinking there's nothing good in this life, much less God being good, like understanding today at a much deeper level, like He has good for me and 
he didn't just, he's not going to let all those years of pain just go to waste. It's not going to just be a, um, a, oops, like, my bad, that shouldn't have happened. He's going to use it somehow. It's going to glorify him. And and I've already seen it glorify him. You know, in different areas of my life of being able to relate with people or um, understanding maybe what someone else is going through that I wouldn't be able to if I wouldn't have walked through that. So he has already used it. I still don't know why fully, but I can fully trust that God is good and that he's sovereign and there's going to be good in it. And when I ever, if that day ever comes that I do understand why completely, um, yeah, that would be great to know, but I don't battle with it anymore because it doesn't matter because, I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't because God's sovereign. Mm. Well, a couple of pieces there. First off, you're glorifying him right now by sharing your story in public. <laughs> so when we share our brokenness, that's when we God shines through the cracks. And so I love what you're doing and being able to willing to share. And um, so, and I also believe that he takes every drop of suffering if we're willing to cooperate with him and he redeems it for his purposes. Amen. So it's Amen. wonderful to see you come to that place and, you're not even 30 years old. Is that right? I'm not. I'm 27. <laughs> so you figured a lot out at a young age. That's great. Uh, I'm not sure if I figured it out or have had to learn lessons the hard way, but God has been faithful to just continue to show me his truth. Very well, faithful. and I know from my own personal experience, we all have our days where we run into a concrete wall and say, oops, one's supposed to do Amen. that. So Amen. you talked about transferring your bitterness to your dad. Did you come to a place of being able to forgive him? I did. It was, I thought I had forgiven him. Um, I could be around him. I still had this like big pit in my stomach when I'd see him at the gas station. And, you know, I just wait in my car till he was gone. Then I'd go inside. Um, but I kept telling myself I've forgiven him. And I read books on forgiveness and I taught with counselors about forgiveness and you know, like all of that seemed to, I, I had done everything I'd been told to do, I guess. Um, and I thought that I had forgiven him. But what really, I don't know, brought it to deeper forgiveness, if that's the correct way to say it, was um, when things in my marriage, um, we started struggling and the pornography and the anger and stuff started happening in my marriage. And it was like I had to face the very fear of, what if my life will always be like this? You know, um, what if it's like when I was a child, um, seeing aspects of that become my reality as a wife, as an adult, um, and having like through that, God in his great mercy, like I can't even express his great mercy and all of that, to just gently be able to help me relive some of the things as a child and um, like fully grieve those things and being able to say, like, I, I wrote a letter to my dad. It took me a couple months and I just wrote everything that he'd ever done toward me or had hurt me or let me down or betrayed me or um, just anything I could possibly think of, like all the things I would say to him today if I, if I could. Um, and I remember just, I had that letter in my drawer for a long time. And finally one day, um, through something that had happened in my marriage, being able to just like 
sit and read that letter out loud. I was alone in my house and I just read it out loud and I pretended like I was reading to my dad and I just sobbed. It was really extremely painful. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, I can honestly say I can meet up with my dad somewhere. I can hear his name and I don't just instantly recoil in my stomach. Um, I, what happens with him is between him and God. I don't need payment for what he did. I don't, he's never even said, I'm sorry. And that used to be a big thing for me. And today it's like, that's not okay, but it is okay. You know, I don't even need a, I'm sorry for him. Um, like God will deal with him and will take care of him. And I pray for his salvation. I pray for God to have mercy on him because I don't want to see him being punished for the sins that he did commit. Um, but I can genuinely say, yeah, he's, he's free as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't need to pay for what he did. And that that's huge for me to be at that place. Yeah, we can we have a choice between I'm gonna hold on to forgiveness or I'm gonna to choose to grab on to bitterness yeah. again. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's talk about fear and anxiety and spiritual warfare, because those three are bound together often and the enemy knows how to piggyback on fear or anxiety and an attack with fear darts. And you grew up with a lot of hypervigilance and fear and looking over your shoulder. And so what does that journey look like? And, and what have you been through? What has worked? What has not worked? I honestly didn't realize how much fear and hypervigilance that I lived with till a couple years ago. Um, it was so normal for me. Um, I was a highly active person, like worked a lot, was just busy all the time. Um, and like that fear would, I mean, I was, I was, I didn't go outside alone after dark, even as an adult, like I didn't even sleep alone in my house as an adult. Um, like I just had, I was trapped with a lot of fears and anxieties, um, anxieties about things that, you know, Something as simple as taking a trip to Walmart to buy groceries, you know, I'd be watching people around me, someone watching me, someone following me to my car, like just like living in constant panic and fear, um, showering, you know, there was weeks when, when I, I had to force myself to shower because just, just frozen in fear, like I'd lock all the doors leading back to the bathroom, the front door, the back door, and you know, just, just, I'd have to shower when I was home alone and just, Lots of fears in a lot of different areas, um, and I always just told myself, you know, I'm I'm healing, I'm I'm overcoming it. You know, it's going to be a day when this when this gets better. You know, this is this is going to get better, and it did. And I think I had to walk through that journey of of you know I did find healing a little bit here and a little bit there, and and all of that. But I did a lot of different counselings and also like you know. Um, prayers and, and rebuke Satan and just and I think all those things were were helpful. They were helpful, but it all came to a screeching halt in 2022. Is it 21? It was 21. Yeah, um, my husband left for a nine month program um, for sexual addicts, and I was left alone in my house. <laughs> so with there was a lot of trauma and things happening before he left. But after he left, I, I completely lost my mind. Um, the next two to three months, I had panic attacks all day long throughout the night. 
Um, I never knew what would trigger them. I couldn't even really work. I had a part-time job at that point. Um, I spend a large part of my days like hiding at my mom's house or a sister's house and just like my insides just shaking. Like, I had anxiety that was, it was, it was so intense. I, I can't even put it into words. Um, I got a medication. I got on a lot of different pills. I tried everything. I was finally taking like 11 to 12 pills a day, like morning and evening and sometimes at noon. Um, drinking, you know, a lot of like taking a lot of like magnesium, just things to calm me down. I'd take a bath before I went to bed at night. Um, for several weeks on the end, I couldn't sleep for more than 20 minutes. Um, during the night, then I'd wake up, be awake for several hours of panic attacks, and finally be able to sleep again for a little bit. Um, it was it was horrible. I, I cried out to God just over and over, like just let me wake up from this nightmare because it was it was the most horrible thing I think that I've ever had to walk through in my life. And it's like somehow, in those two to three months, just all that fear and anxiety came tumbling out, and there wasn't a pill that helped. I mean, it would help somewhat, but it didn't. There was, um, I tried to lean on people. I tried to lean on, you know, distracting myself, um, trying to busy myself. I, I tried every avenue possible. And once again, in God's grace, he didn't let anything work well. I mean, it worked maybe for an hour or whatever. Um, I mean, I was getting massages. I was doing whatever I could to just, like, calm my body down, like, just calm down. Um and finally, in, in all of that, there was only one place that I could go finally at the way end, and that was to trust God completely. And I remember like the week that me and God just hashed it out all week, it felt like, um, when things slowly started changing. And I'm not saying that anxiety and, and fear and those things, oh, just trust God more. Um, I'm not saying that in a flippant way. Um, I think I had to have that, you know, 15-year journey, 20-year journey, 25 years, whatever number you want to put on it. I was 26 at the time when it happened. Um, to finally like, be in my house by myself after dark, like being able to sleep peacefully and just completely trusting that God was the only thing that was keeping me safe. Um, and whatever he desired for me for my life i would accept whatever glorified him i would accept i i started showering with all the doors unlocked um and i remember one day i was like what like this is crazy um but i was just like whatever happens is in god's hands like he's here and he's gonna be here no matter what happens um and just being able to like lay in my bed at night start having a panic attack hyperventilating and and all that, and just being able to just, like, just over and over tell my brain, like, it's okay, you're having anxiety, but God's here, He's going to get you through it, you're going to breathe, like, you know, all those times thinking I couldn't breathe, thinking I'm going to die because I can't breathe, and just, you know, well, even if you die, you're still going to be okay, like, just, there was, like, just this profound knowledge of that God is sovereign, and that He's here, and He's going to take care of me, and whatever he desires for my life is good and is okay with me, even if it was painful and excruciating and, and hard. And that, I mean, it's a year and a half later, I still, don't get me wrong, still struggle with anxiety and fears coming. 
but I have never had a panic attack since then. I have not had the amount of fear. I'm, it, the fear of me subsides so much quicker by going to prayer um, and just like spending time with the Lord. And I used to do all of those things before, but it's like somehow in the depths of my heart, it needed to be settled that God was in control and nothing and no one could help me but Him. Mm. And He was all that I needed. Well, I love it. <clears throat> so it sounds like, in a way, and this is just kind of a general way of saying it, you went from maybe a little deeper, and I'm not saying you didn't have a relationship with him before, but he became more real and more powerful. Yes. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. He, for the first time in my life, like the past year and a half, like I, I honestly am completely confident that the Lord is with me helping me, and is good, and I'm going to be okay. (laughs) And that's huge, huge for me to say. And it sounds like surrender was a part of that, too. It was. It was simply saying, you know, like, God, even if my worst nightmare were to come true, you would still be God. You would still be here. You would still, you know, I I just give you my life, my rights, my whatever I want, whatever I desire, it's yours. Like, have your way. Mm. Um, Spiritual warfare, what does that look like, and how how do you deal with that? Because I know the enemy attacks those pressure pressure points. Amen. Today, it's it's still hard for me to recognize sometimes when it's happening. Um, All of a sudden, I find myself doubting my husband, or I find myself doubting the goodness of God, or I find myself, um, you know, just struggling with, like, being able to relax at night, and then I start recognizing just the attack that Satan has been having on my mind and my emotions or my circumstances and how he's just, like, trying to get in whatever door that he can. And I think the biggest thing for me, like, in the spiritual warfare is recognizing it is spiritual warfare and fighting it through prayer. And, and scripture. Um, you know, it may not leave, it may not get better, but still choosing to have faith that, that God's here with me, He's hearing my prayers, um, and reaching out to other people. It is incredibly powerful to be able to, to call other Christians and reach out and say, hey, I need prayer, Like I'm struggling, I'm drowning over here, um, I need some help with this, like, this is bigger than me, like, can you be praying? Um, I have a number of friends that I can call and just write them in there, like, they'll pray with me, and they'll check in and keep praying, or, you know, send me messages of a prayer, and just, like, being covered in prayer has been one of the biggest weapons that I use in fighting spiritual warfare. Mm. The surveys show that somewhere between 88 and 90 percent of U.S. Christians are isolated, meaning they don't have another believer to turn to. And, Laura, we have two minutes left. Wow. So take a minute. What goes through your mind when you when you hear that? I feel incredibly sad for them. Um, that sounds lonely and hard and um, devastating, honestly, because if it weren't for other believers in my life, I, I wouldn't know the Lord as I do today. Um, I mean, obviously, God calls us personally. He speaks to us personally. He's personal with us. Um, but having other believers around you to just walk along beside you um, 
holding your arms up, you know, when you're weak. I often think of that battle in the Old Testament when they held up, um, was it Moses or Joshua's arms in the battle? Um, and every time his arms would go back down, the Israelites would, would start losing the battle. So few people stood on either, either side of him and held up his arms during the day um, so that the Israelites would win the battle. And I often think of that as a physical form of having believers around you to hold up your arms when you're your faith is low, um, have other, like lean on other people's faith, that their faith can, can stand in that gap for you, and they can fight for you while you can't. Amen. Laura, 30 seconds. Anything you want to say? Um, definitely anyone who's struggling or, you know, just wondering how they will ever heal or get to the other side of something, there's so much hope. There's so much help for you. And God cares, and He's faithful, and He will get you through this and get you not to the other side, because I don't know if there is an other side, but He will continue to help you and to trust in that. I love it. And Laura, thank you for sharing your heart and your struggles the last two shows. I love it. I really appreciate your transparency. Well, thank you, Mike, for what you do. You are appreciated. Well, thank you, my friends, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.